Welcome to episode 130 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we're looking at Season 6, Episode 2, Drive. The original air date was November 15th, 1998. The action takes place partially in Idaho, but predominantly in Nevada and California. And the IMDb user score has risen from 8.4 to 8.7 out of 10. In the pre-credits teaser, we see a woman who dies in a car, and her husband starts to show the same symptoms she was showing of hearing a high-pitched whine that's only alleviated by driving west at gradually increasing speeds. It eventually leads to death, you know, as though your head has, as one sheriff described it, just popped. Mulder and Scully are investigating the purchase of fertilizer for the potential anti-terrorist activities, and they decide to investigate in opposition to that assignment and eventually deduce that this is a side effect of naval equipment testing. The surviving husband, Mr. Crump, actually dies before Scully can attempt to administer the treatment that she's developed. And along the way, he effectively takes Mulder hostage, forcing Mulder to be the one who does the driving to get him out west with the requisite joke referencing speed, which had come out a couple years earlier. This was written by Vince Gilligan, who would go on to create Breaking Bad, and directed by Rob Bowman. There are two notable guest stars here. Michael O'Neill plays the local sheriff, who's also known for his work in Dallas Buyers Club, Transformers, Seabiscuit, and Secondhand Lions. And most notably, we have Brian Cranston, who is known as Tim Watley on six episodes of Seinfeld, Hal on Malcolm in the Middle, Jack O'Donnell in Argo, Dalton Trumbo in Trumbo, and probably most notably at this stage as Walter White in Breaking Bad. And in fact, this episode is attributed largely to helping him land that role. When AMC was casting for Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan remembered how well Cranston played a sympathetic anti-Semite in this episode, and lobbied for him to play Breaking Bad, because we're looking at somebody who is not a good person in his core, and yet you still want the audience to sympathize with him. AMC producers resisted that casting because they only knew him from Malcolm in the Middle, but Gilligan showed them a copy of this episode, and they changed their minds. So the episode I found entertaining. It clearly sets up Kirsch's position with the new status quo. At this point, we don't know if he's part of the conspiracy or not, but he's certainly dedicated to keeping Mulder and Scully on that leash of following orders that benefits the conspiracy by keeping Mulder and Scully out of the X-Files. It doesn't do a lot to contribute to the long-term status quo and plot threads in the series. It does have some science worth talking about, though. The notion that a sound can set up a building residence in the skulls of everyone except a deaf woman doesn't work. If this is an experiment in extremely low frequency waves, then you know, looking at the speed of sound, we're going to have wavelengths that are significantly higher than the size of a skull. If we're going to set up a resonance, then the skull has to be a half integer multiple of that sound wavelength. So let's say you've got a particular you know, extremely low frequency wave. Sound travels at about 340 meters per second. So if you have a 
frequency of one hertz, meaning there's one cycle per second, then that wavelength is going to be 343 meters. If it's half a hertz for an even smaller length frequency, then that wavelength is going to be 686 meters. So if we've got very low numbers for frequency, we've got very high numbers for wavelengths. But in order to set up a resonance, your skull has to be a half integer multiple. So it has to either be half a sound wavelength or one and a half wavelengths or two and a half wavelengths and so forth. So, you know, 343 meters or more is definitely larger than that of a human skull. So it just really doesn't work. It definitely doesn't work on dogs or bunnies in the same way. It wouldn't even work on two different people the same way unless their skulls happen to be the same size. Even then, you'd have to ask, why does the deaf woman's skull not have the resonance? The fact that she can't hear it doesn't mean that her skull is still not proportional to the sound waves. If it did, it would also work on glasses, bowls, and other things the same size. Furthermore, if this is going to keep building in power, even though we've got friction in a skull that should bleed off this energy as heat, you'd have to continuously add energy to the system. So we're not looking at a single burst in the morning that would cause something like this that would build more and more throughout the day. You'd have to have something that was constantly feeding more and more energy into this resonance to get it to build and build. So ultimately, the theory that Scully and Mulder developed to explain what's going on does not explain what's going on. Now, the good news here is that for them, it's all speculation. It's all hypothesis. It's entirely possible that for their investigation, they'd have realized that this was wrong and something else was going on. So that doesn't necessarily mean the episode doesn't work. It just means that there's a very good chance that the treatment Scully developed based on this hypothesis would not have saved Mr. Crump in the first place. So that's about all we've got to say about Drive. Join us again in two weeks' time when we take a look at Triangle. And if you have time, it may be worth watching or rewatching the 1939 Wizard of Oz starring Judy Garland before you watch that Triangle episode. In the meantime, any feedback can be sent to Bureau42Podcasts at gmail.com. Feel free to share links to the episodes with friends who feel may enjoy it. And finally, thank you for listening.